0: Okay, let's have a word of prayer and we'll take a look at the scripture this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. As we've continued to just plow through and apply our hearts to it, I pray, God, even this morning, you would speak with clarity and revelation to our hearts. Holy Spirit of God, you're the instructor. So I pray, Lord, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding. We comprehend Christ. We comprehend your ways and your character. And kingdom culture. So come now Lord. Let me speak as an oracle I pray. Stand with me and hold my hand. Let me declare truths. Grace to declare the mysteries of Christ. Thank you for your presence. Good in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, let's turn uh, to Matthew chapter 7, and we're just going to continue along our series. We've been on for actually a couple months now on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we are rounding the bend. We are on the back stretch. I think I can round us out with three more, three more messages this morning being one. And I am continually struck by the truths that Jesus released here. You know, to take this much time on the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, we've taken, I guess we're heading towards three months on it. And that's quite a bit of time to actually invest uh, in teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's a critical sermon. It's the foundational ideas for the kingdom of God. But, you know, another thing dawned on me this week Jesus Christ is returning. That's not the the point that dawned on me. (laughs) That's been dawning on me for some time. He's returning. He's returning soon. And there is a culture to the kingdom. And this is it. This is the treatise of the kingdom. And these cultural ideas, the foundational core values and the characteristics... This is what's going to be fully installed in every government and every locale across the nations of the earth at the Lord's return. His kingdom will reign over all the earth. That doesn't simply mean that he'll be in control of all the earth or in charge. He will be. But it also means this, that his value system will permeate Every culture down to the least level of government and society in every region, in every city, all across the nations of the earth. Beloved, this is real. He's coming back. He's really going to reign. And the planet is really going to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen, the full discipleship of the nations equals Every nation coming under the cultural system and the value system of the Lord Jesus. And so when we get these concepts from the Sermon on the Mount, the treatise of the kingdom of God, understand this. This isn't just a nice little manifesto that you need to live your life by. This is how it's going to be for a really long time. This culture and this value system, Christ, is going to implement it all across the nations of the earth. And we get to partake in it. We get to live it. And and there is a blessedness to the extent that we say yes to this value system now and implement it in our lives and implement it even in our our cultures and our society. Because then he doesn't have to overthrow that part of our life and overthrow the part of the society. I mean, I, I, you know, I've thought about this often. When he comes, I don't want him to have to go, yeah, pretty much everything you're doing, it's all upside down. Got to fix all of it. I, that's, I, that's not a conversation I want to have. So we look at the values. We say, okay, this is the norm for Christianity. But, beloved, we've got to get it also. This is the norm for the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is coming The king is coming. His name is Jesus. And his reign will be hallmarked by these values. He's going to implement them throughout the the nations of the earth. This is critical. Critical for us to to go deep in, to get it to work in our own hearts, to apply it and live these these ideals, these, these characteristics, these values. Okay, good. So today, we've... Two weeks ago, we finished uh, Matthew 6, ending with, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And don't worry about tomorrow, because every day has a significant evil of its own. And so today, we, we start at, at chapter 7 of Matthew 7. We're going to go through the first 12 verses. And each of those verses, they all work together. It's important when you're reading a text you, that you don't just assume I mean, sometimes you can read it and you don't get how verse five and verse six relates together, but I would encourage you, don't assume that Jesus is just sort of giving random thoughts on Christianity. He's actually an amazing communicator and he's actually communicating things that work line upon line with one another. And so verse one through 12, it actually connects to what he had just finished with the concepts in chapter 6, where he's telling us, don't worry, don't worry about our life, don't worry about, you know, uh, our, our daily sustenance. Because the, the environment of the kingdom is such, if you'll seek first the kingdom, and you'll seek first the righteousness of the kingdom, everything you need will be added to you. Everything you need will be added to you. And so he goes, don't pay attention to your own needs, focus on the seeking of the kingdom of God, and watch the Lord take care of all your necessities. And he goes, the reason why you focus so much on your own needs is because you're worried. So he goes, don't worry. All right, that's last time's message. Let's get on to this time's message. So Matthew 7 now, what he's going to do in these first 12 verses is give specific application to how we relate with one another. Particularly under the idea that we're seeking the kingdom of God. We're seeking the righteousness of God. And so Jesus, knowing the human heart, knowing that our heart is deceitfully wicked, he's going to help us not to get into self-righteousness. Now, if he's helping us to not get into self-righteousness, he's probably going to poke us a little bit. And it probably is going to reveal uh, areas of self-righteousness in us. And that's how he helps us. Amen. So let's read the first 12 verses. I can feel you going, oh, no. Here it comes. I'm I'm right there. Because when I read these things and I go, oh, boy. That's nailing me. Let's read these first 12 verses and then we'll just begin to plow through. All right, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearl, pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, For this is the law and the prophets, and then we end with the golden rule. All right. Let's look at this little first section here where he's talking about judging. Now, most, well, all Christians and most sinners know this verse. You say, hey, brother, I think that, man, you might want to, you know, straighten that up right there. First thing they say, don't judge me. You're judging me. The Bible says, I've had them, I mean, totally unsaved. I mean, totally, you know, just in sin. They go, Matthew 7, 1, do not judge. I mean, it's just, bam, they just know it. There's a couple verses they all know. Need a little wine for your stomach's sake? And do not judge. They know those verses. (laughs) Well, the first thing... On Jesus teaching here on judgment is he is not outlawing judging and we know that he's not outlawing judging because in John 7 verse 24 he says this do not judge according to appearances but judge with a righteous judgment so he's not giving a prohibition on judging. You have to judge matters and human affairs all over the place. There's, you could not live through life without judging matters between people and, and in all sorts of different situations. Anybody who's given the task of, of leading anything at any level has to, at some point in time, assess situations and, and sort of judge what's going on there. Make, make a, an assessment and, and sort of make a decree based on it, which is that idea of judging. You go, okay, what's happening here? You assess the situation. You go, okay, this is what I think needs to happen. All sorts of times you have to judge between people when they have a problem with one another. So he's not saying judgment is outlawed for humans. Here's what he is saying. There's a way to judge that's right. And that's my way. And there's a way to judge that will get you in trouble. That's essentially what he's saying. There's a way to judge that's righteous. And then there's a way to judge that will land you in a a worse predicament. And so he knew, Jesus knew this. Remember how he ends chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow for the evil of tomorrow is sufficient for it. He knew that those that were seeking the kingdom of God would then fall into the human error of tending toward elitism. He knew that people that were pressing toward righteousness would you know, just because of our frailty and our and our brokenness would step into the folly of then judging others who are not as righteous, so to speak, as they are. He, he knows the wickedness of human hearts. And so he's instantly, after he says, now go hard after the kingdom, go hard after the righteousness of it, he instantly goes, and hey, don't judge the way that, you, you know, <laughs> That uh, vilifies everybody else and justifies yourself. And so he's trying to keep us from stepping in that pothole. It's interesting to me because I've done this so many times and I see people do it all the time. But here's what will happen. Especially at at IHOP. Somebody will come um, into one of our school ministry classes or in our internship. And they will get a revelation on something in the word that they didn't know two weeks ago. They didn't know two minutes ago. And it will move their heart, and they'll get fired up about it. You know, it's something about, you know, the love of God or the knowledge of God or, or end times. And they're they're just fired. They're just, the Lord's ministering to them, and they just, oh, man, this is so awesome. And what they'll do is, and I've done this many times, they'll turn around and they'll, they'll go, man, my whole family needs to know this. And they'll, you know, get on the phone or they'll, you know, call a family meeting and they just start telling everybody how wrong they are and how right, you know, they are because they've got the new revelation. And I always tell them, I go, don't do that. Because you're rebuking and correcting somebody about something that you didn't know two minutes ago. And you're standing up as now the ordained one with the correction and the holy revelation of God that you didn't know two minutes ago. The goal isn't to Look at everybody else and say, well, this is what's wrong with you and here's the deal. The goal is to allow the Lord to cultivate your own heart. And that's what Jesus is dealing with here. Now watch this. Look at this language. He goes, for with what judgment you judged, with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And that is such an intense statement. You just let that settle on you. Because the way that you approach and assess others is the way that you are going to be assessed. And I don't know about you, but that instantly makes me go, uh oh, and wow, I want to be merciful. I want to be merciful. I don't want to have a strict hand of judgment on others, be loose on myself, and then in a day of reckoning have a strict, merciless hand upon me because I've been merciless with others or judgmental with others. And I believe this is a what you reap is what you sow. It relates to our relationship with humans. In other words, if, I'm, you know, if I judge people with a strict and harsh measure that it will come back to me through others, I will be judged strictly and harshly. But I also believe he's talking about when the Lord assesses our lives. I think this has to do, it has a, a, a part to play in the way the eternal reward system is going to be applied to us and how judgment will be, uh, you know, given to us. He says it another way, he goes, if you're merciful, you'll receive mercy. But James says, judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And so there's this incredibly important piece of information, beloved, and Jesus is trying to get it over to us that when we approach others and we're assessing others, he goes, "I'm just telling you, just know, tread lightly because it's going to come back to you the way that you're handing it out. Tread lightly. It's it's very much a be careful with what judgment you judge, you will be judged." And see, we imagine that judgments are, you know, the public thing where somebody said the thing about the guy and it gotten, you know, public. I'm telling you, there are a thousand more judgments that take place in between here that the Lord is really aware of. And I think they're all in play. (gasps) Yeah, I think they're all in play. And there have been times when the Lord has just nailed me on my own self-righteousness, imagining that I'm doing a little better than the next guy. And, and so then I apply a, a method of judgment that says, because I'm doing all this, I'm good, and they're not doing it, and therefore they're bad. And the Lord goes, I think you're forgetting one point. Without me, you're both going to hell. Without my grace, you're both not going to make it. You need grateful hearts of thanksgiving toward me and recognize that whoever that person is that's quote unquote in need as you assess it, they're just the same as you. You're both in the same predicament. He goes, judge lightly, judge with mercy. That's the idea. Not, Not judge lightly. Take sin serious There is a requirement for us to take sin seriously in the body. Paul is very, he's very uh, straightforward about that point. We don't wink at sin and imagine it's not there. No, we we deal with it straightforwardly, but Jesus is about to give us the guidelines on how we deal with it. He goes, number one, know that you've got to go at this thing recognizing that how you judge, you will be judged. The measure you use will be measured back to you And then he gives us this interesting conversation about the speck and the plank. The speck and the plank. I'm going to tell you what. For years, I could not understand the speck and the plank. Let's read it, and I'll go go through my process on this thing. Verse 3 goes, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So for a long time, I'd read that, and I'd go, I'd just go, Lord, I don't get it. I mean, it really is a plank in their eye. I mean, it's, it's big. It's not just a, it's a big issue. And I know that I don't have a problem in that area. So maybe I'm not seeing something. Maybe it is like a speck, but it really is. They really got a plank, Lord. And the Lord goes, you're missing the point entirely. And you can read it again. Why do you look past the plank in your own to reach the, to get the speck out of the brothers? I'm going, no, Lord, theirs is a plank. Mine's a speck. Promise. I know I'm, I'm good in this. They're not. I'm, I am. They're not. He goes, read it again. Why do you look past the plank in your own to see the speck in your brother's? one day it dawned on me, I went, oh my gosh, I get it. And here's the point. When it relates to your issues and other people's issues and your assessment of their issues, as far as you're concerned and as far as your responsibility, it's always a speck in their eye. And it's always a plank that's in your, your own. And if you'll relate to others on that basis, you'll actually relate mercifully, even in judgment. Because you'll deal with your own heart in the matter that you're going to deal with another. And so the Lord is trying to get us to take inventory by the Holy Spirit of our own issues and actually deal very seriously with the areas of our own heart that are problematic before we ever go trying to dig in somebody else's eye. He says, listen, little buddy. As it relates to you, and as far as I'm concerned with you, your stuff is a plank. Their stuff is a speck. I'd like you to deal with your own self and then you can talk to them about their speck. But deal with it with the right perspective. It really is a speck and yours really is a plank. In other words, be more serious about what's going on with you in your own heart. And take that more seriously. And, and what I mean is with, a, with greater intensity... Than what you're seeing in the other person. Now, now take it serious. It is something there. But you can't make their problem way worse. Than your problem. Because as far as it is with me. Yours is a plank. Theirs is a speck. And I want you to deal with yours first. And that changes. The whole conversation. Because now. You don't deputize yourself. And put on a cowboy hat. And go in there with guns blazing. To blow everybody up. Over all their own. All, all their issues. Paul said. He goes when you, when you have another who's in sin. He goes you need to look to yourself. And be gentle. And restore that other one. In a spirit of meekness. Now yes if someone's in sin. They've got to repent. They've got to turn away from the sin. And then you can restore them. And you, but you restore them looking to yourself. With a spirit of meekness. Beloved. What is normative practice for us in the church is when we see another caught in a trespass or in a sin, we tend to puff ourselves up, see ourselves as righteous, see them as having a plank, imagine we have a speck or that we don't even have a speck, and we nail them for it. And Jesus goes, no, what I want you to do is approach me on the basis of your own stuff first, take it very seriously before me. And then when you apply judgment to another, I want you to know that the way that you judge, you will be judged. He's not saying don't judge. He's saying do it with mercy and with meekness. Looking to yourself in a spirit of gentleness. And so often we uh, get a little bit puffed up. We get a little revelation. We get a little puffed up. And we go plank hunting not realizing, if we'll just look in the mirror, there's some staring right at us. Amen. I'll just say it for everybody. Amen. So he wants us to consider our own heart first. So then, here's here's the summary of how we're to go about assessing and judging certain situations and even offering correction and instruction. Here it is. First thing he says is, uh, he goes, don't judge and know that the measure that you judge is going to be measured back to you. In other words, he goes, you've got to go at this thing in love. You've got to go at this thing recognizing that uh, it's got to be governed by love. You've got to believe the best. You know, um, Oftentimes, people will get into he said, she said fights. Well, I heard they said such and such. And well, I heard they said this. And, and then this other person comes back. Well, no, no, this is what they said. And they said all this. And there's this back and forth going on. You know what I find? In those kind of situations, nobody really ever knows all the details. It just becomes this big mess. And so what I've done is in those situations, I'll just put it in neutral. And I'll go, Okay. What do I know, first of all, for my own self, firsthand, what is the information I know? And usually the information I know is about this big. And then I go, okay, Lord, what's the information you know? And the information he knows is extensive, eternal, infinite. I go, okay, somewhere between what I know and what you know, there's a big gap. I mean, I don't know everything you know. In other words, I don't have all the details. And because I don't have all the information, what I'm going to do is take a look at what I've got and I'm going to believe the best until I get more information. So I'm going to let love govern my approach in this thing. And the second thing I'm going to do is I'm not going to judge based on appearances. I'm not going to judge based on the way it looks, based on the outward, based on the stuff that I don't know. I'm not going to judge based on how it seems. I don't have all the information. I can't tell you how often in pastoral ministry, somebody has come to me. I've thought I've known the issue. Before they stepped in my office, I thought I had the issue. And some years back, I decided to just go, before I ever started telling them what was wrong, I I just decided years back, even if I thought I knew everything, I would sit there and I would say, now tell me this story. And I mean, just virtually every time, I already got I mean, I already know what I'm going to say. I've already got it figured out. I'll go, now tell me the story. (laughs) And they tell me the story and I go, oh no. To throw the gun away, I go, this isn't what I thought at all. It's amazing how when you actually listen, you actually hear all the details. You start getting more information than you had. man, things... They, they're different than you thought. The measure you judge, you'll be judged. Don't judge by appearances. Don't judge by the way it looks on the outside. Believe the best. Let judgment be packaged in love. And then thirdly, when it comes to having to bring correction, correction or judgment in an issue, the Lord is clear. Deal with your own heart in the issue First. Deal with your own heart in the issue first. Whatever is going on in your heart about a certain thing, if you've got to bring a correction or a judgment or you've got to confront somebody, he goes, look first at the plank in your own eye. Deal with that. And then you can deal with the speck in your brother's. You won't be able to see clearly. And I've found over the years that oftentimes... The very thing that I pick out in another that I think is a problem or that bothers me or that is an issue or that's grating on my last nerves is the very thing in my own eye. It takes one to know one really applies here. You go, man, that guy, man, he's so arrogant. He's just all full of himself. He just thinks everything he says is right all the time. I just say, look in the mirror. The reason why you know all those details so well is because probably you, you're that way. How, how have I come to that conclusion? Because of me. I, there's things I I'll, I'll find myself assessing about people. I go, oh, they're this way, they're that way. Wow, they really need to get that right. And the Lord goes, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, look at yourself. I go, oh, well, I've got the same issues I'm calling out in the other Huh. Amazing how that works. Takes one to know one. He's deal with the plank in your own, and then you'll be able to see clearly to deal with the speck in the other. And here's what I've come to find out. Whenever I'm assessing something in someone else, whenever I see an issue, it provides to me an awesome opportunity for the Holy Spirit to shine light on my own heart and for me to be corrected and instructed by the Lord. If I'm seeing it, if I follow Jesus' admonition, I'll then go and say, hey, do I got a plank here, Lord? And Holy Spirit goes, I'm so glad you asked that. I've been wanting to get that plank out of your eyeball for quite some time now. Let's pull that on out, two by four. Okay, get the piece of dust out of your brother. Oh, there you go. It provides an opportunity for you to actually go before the Lord. If you'll do that, can you imagine what it would be like in Christianity If every time you had a problem with somebody else, whatever you assessed the problem to be, you actually took that problem and said, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to me on this issue. Show me where that's resident in me. And he goes right there and you pull it out. And then with a heart of mercy, in love, believing the best, knowing you don't have all the details, you actually went to the other person. You go, hey, listen, I've been praying. The Lord was showing this about my own heart. I wanted to bring this to your attention. I'm just wondering if perhaps this applies to you as well. Knowing you've been corrected by the Lord you've been through the deal and the fire of the Lord's on you purifying you don't you think that might be a better way to to be able to approach others if you see it in you it's it's probably I mean you see it in another it's probably an indication it's in you and then finally so you believe the best you don't judge according to appearances you consider your own heart first and then you put it into perspective it's always a piece of dust if it's them and it's always a plank if it's you This teaching on judgment, I'm telling you, it nails us. It nails all of us. It gets right to the root of self-righteousness in us. And it's Jesus' help to us to keep us out of the trap of thinking because we've got a little something going. Now we are the righteous declarers of truth and everybody else needs to hear it. It enables us to actually live in the value system of the kingdom, always leaning towards meekness and humility and having the Lord's inspection upon our hearts As we go through the challenges of judgment. And there is a tension. There is a tension in Christ to be merciful and to be straightforward and firm about sin. You're merciful when you approach somebody and you're straightforward about it. There's a tension there, but Jesus' teaching here enables us to actually go headlong into it. Now, sometimes we don't want to, we don't want to confront, we don't want to deal with things, just easier not to confront, but the Lord would have us to connect, to sharpen, to deal with issues with one another rather than ignore them, to be straightforward. if, If you got a problem with somebody, he says, go to them. If you think they've got a problem with you, he says, go to them. This is how we're supposed to be in Christ, sharpening one another. As iron sharpens iron. Is it fun? Not all the time. A lot of times it's not fun at all. Is it sharpening? Yes. If we do it in love, man, it's such a growth opportunity. It's a mechanism the Lord has put in place for us to actually grow in holiness and love. Grow in the Holy Spirit. All right, now look at where he goes with this. Verse 6, which I don't think I've ever heard this verse used in context. Because this is another one. Well, let's just be honest. This is one that self-righteous people love to slam people with when somebody doesn't listen to what they say. And you hear young Christians, they will quote this one. And when I was a young Christian, I quoted it. Give somebody the word. They didn't listen. I go, I can't give what's holy to the dogs. Swine always trampling my pearls. I want to propose that when Jesus just finished his teaching on it's a plank in your eye and a speck in the other, he's now not deputizing you in verse six to go and figure out who the swine and the dogs are. You see see my point? If he just told you it's a plank in yours and it's a speck in the others, the next thing out of his mouth isn't, now there's a bunch of swine out there, go figure out who they are. That's not what he's doing. All right, let's look at verse six. He goes, do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now, is there a truth that you don't correct a scoffer? Yeah. Does Proverbs say that? Absolutely. Proverbs says it in chapter 9, verse 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. He who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. I believe that, that has an application here, but I don't think that's the very first thing Jesus has in mind. I don't think Jesus is telling us to look at the plank in our own eye, the speck in the others, just to deputize us in the very next verse to figure out who the dogs and the swine are. What I think he's dealing with here is still the issue of how do you do judgment? How do you do correction? How do you do the thing where you have to give input? What's the heart posture? Which is really what I think he's doing for the first 12 verses. What's the heart posture that seeks righteousness and seeks the kingdom. Because he just admonished us in 633 to seek the kingdom and his righteousness. So 1 through 12, he's talking, how do we interpersonally relate with one another? And he summarizes it. He goes, do to them what you'd have them to do to you. That'll fulfill the law and the prophets. So he's giving us steps on how to interrelate as you're seeking the kingdom and his righteousness. And so what's he doing here with this, uh, don't cast your pearl before swine and don't give what is holy to the dogs? What I think he's doing is this. There's a lot of differences in the commentators. I think it does potentially apply to don't correct a scoffer. But I think really what he's trying to do is give us the heart posture for giving and receiving correction and judgment. And so the first thing he goes is if you're going to give correction, don't be like one who's just casting his pearls out in front of people that will trample them or, or just giving what's precious to people that will devour you and, and tear you up for it. What he's saying is this. There needs to be a certain thing where you're slow to hear. I mean, slow to speak and quick to hear. That you're not just throwing all the things out in front of everybody, just going around telling every person that what they've got to get right and what they've got to get wrong. I, what they're doing wrong. When I was a, a, a young believer, when I first got saved, I was very zealous. I was real zealous. And, and my family will attest. I mean, I just told everybody they were going to hell. And I just went through the list and said everything they were doing wrong and why they were going to hell and how they needed to get right with God. And there it is. That's not very wise and it's not very meek. and It's not very godly. There's a certain thing where you listen and then you offer. You listen and then you offer input. And there's a certain thing where you actually ask permission to offer input. And I've found over the years with 20 years of pastoral ministry that if I will ask permission, so you know, I have a thought or two. Would you mind if I you know, give you the thought or two on how that goes, that people will be far more receptive than if I just go throwing the answers at them all the time. And I think something of this verse is in that vein where I feel like the Lord is trying to get across the posture that we're supposed to have now when we're offering judgment or offering correction. He's talking about don't judge. Judge with a righteous judgment. The measure you judge, you'll be judged with that. He goes, don't look at the speck and, and look past your own plank. And then he goes, don't give what's holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearl out there before swine. The feeling I'm getting is, he's saying, when you're offering correction, be slow to speak about it. He's not saying don't do it. But just with a, with a humility and having gone through the process of checking out your own heart, then offer the correction in a way that's you know honoring and, and, and be slow to speak. Don't just go throwing everything you have out there all the time. Telling everybody where they're wrong. And where you're right. I think that's, that's got the feeling of it. Now again, I, I think it applies to the don't correct a scoffer. But I know for sure Jesus wasn't telling us to get over having a, a, a plank in our own eye. Just to turn around and tell us go find out who the swine are and don't talk to them. That that can't be what he was doing. And I think we've applied it that way, and and I think we've kind of missed the feeling of it. Proverbs 18, 2, it says this. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. And so there's this feature of wisdom that's gentle, that's willing to listen, willing to understand, slow to speak and quick to hear. And I feel like that verse has more to do with that than it does with, you know, you you tell somebody something and and they go, I don't know, brother. And and you go, oh, you're just a swine. I I just don't think that that's what that's about. (laughs) All right. Amen. Look at verse 7. Now, verse 7 is going to ordinarily be taught in the vein of prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks find, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. And I agree, I apply this to prayer all the time. But I actually th- think it's still contextually, seven and eight are still contextually dealing with the very first topic of the chapter: judgment and correction. And so, whereas he goes, Don't go casting out your judgment in front of people all the time. I think in verse 7, he's saying, ask for it in your own life. Ask. For correction. Ask for input. I think what he's doing is he's juxtaposing the two postures you're supposed to have. And, and when you give correction, you're slow. But when you're receiving correction or you're looking for it, you're asking for it. You're saying, speak to my heart and, and tell me areas where, you know, I, I need to sharpen things up. And Because he's still under the vein of Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom and seek the righteousness of the kingdom. And so he goes, ask. Seek. Seek what? He goes, seek it and you'll find it. Seek what? Well, what he just told us to seek. The kingdom and his righteousness. If you'll seek it, you will find it. And I think he's dealing with how, it deal, how the kingdom is applied in our own lives. Now, does this apply to prayer? Absolutely. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For sure, this is about prayer. But I think in specific, it's also talking about this issue of correction and instruction in Righteousness being applied to our own hearts. Everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. You know what he's saying? If you want the kingdom, and you want the righteousness of the kingdom, and you knock on that door, God's gonna open that door for you. If you want the righteousness of a kingdom in your life, and you seek the righteousness of the kingdom, you will find it. It will come to you. Because the Lord wants his people to live in the value system that he's laid out for us. And He he is giving us a posture of pursue the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. How? Ask for it. Knock on that door. Seek it. And allow the righteousness of the kingdom to come into your life. And then he gives us this little example. He goes, what man is there among you? Who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? I love this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I love that because he goes, let me just interject a little thought. You're knocking, you're seeking, you're asking. He goes, and God likes you. He's a good father. He's a way better father than than you are as natural fathers. And as natural fathers, you'll give a good thing to your child. You're not going to give him a bad thing. He goes, so your father too will give you good things. And the good things he's talking about are the righteousness of the kingdom born out in your life and the establishment of the kingdom in your life and in 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 your own heart and in your life. He's asking for a people who will pursue him and he goes and the father is so good pursue him and you'll have it i think so often we've taken the posture of passivity where we just sort of sit back we say well god's going to establish the kingdom it's going to happen and i think he's saying no 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 remember the prayer kingdom come, will of God be done. Seek first the kingdom, ask and it will be given. And he's trying to get believers and and those that are the subject of his kingdom to pursue him for the manifestation of the kingdom in their lives. Is this making sense? And so he's saying, go for the righteousness of the kingdom. Go for it, ask God for it, seek it. When it comes to judgment, he goes, do it, but be slow about that. When it's when it's dealing with somebody else, be slow about that. No, no for sure, and then and then deal with it. He goes, but when it's coming to you, pursue righteousness in your own life. Think about this. What if every believer? What if every believer approached the issue of correction of their own heart? with an aggression? What if they've actually followed Proverbs 12, one, you know, uh, loving correction. He goes, he who hates, you know, correction is stupid, but he who loves it, you know, is, is positive. What if every, what if every believer was like, really, going, God likes me. He wants to give me the righteousness of the kingdom. He wants the kingdom to come in my life and in the earth. I am wide open to hearing where my heart is not according with that righteousness. I'm seeking it. Tell me. Just just tell me. Then there would be an incredibly different feeling in the body. I tell you, so often we are, uh, I don't know how to, how to describe it, we're so sensitive when we're uh, imagining that we're doing anything wrong. I, and, and I know I'm like this. I, I know that at times I've been like this, where if, if somebody pointed out something I was doing wrong, I would just get all upset. oh. How can they say I'm doing something wrong? How can I say I'm doing something wrong? I really love God. How can they say that? Beloved, we're all doing a ton of things wrong all the time. None of us is perfect. We need to have a heart that says, you know what? I am am an in-process human being. I'm on the way. Righteousness is being formed in me. Man, is there some area that that I can grow in? Let me know. Ask, seek, knock the father's kind he wants to give good gifts and here the good gifts is, the good gift the good gift is the manifestation of the kingdom in your heart and in your life this is our heart posture tell me lord tell me i want it i want it <laughs> amen <laughs> verse 12 therefore Now he's summarizing. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Because you know what? And we know this one, the golden rule. We learned this one as little. Do unto others as you'd have people do unto you. Because whatever you want them to do to you, do it to others. Live in the way and treat others in the way that you want to be treated. Which, see how it's landed there in verse 12? It's a summary of the previous stuff that he's just said. Therefore. So the whole first 12 verses. There are relationship issues. How do we interrelate? How do we deal with the issues of judgment. And correction. And offering it to others. Does it apply to prayer and other things? Absolutely. But he's really telling us. How we're to walk out the day in and day out. Of these values of the kingdom. And how we're to interrelate. And how we're to grow in them. And part of it is that we have an open heart. Saying God. Others, beloveds, sharpen me. I want to hear it. I want to grow in this thing. And if we'll have an open handed and open hearted approach to the values and growing in God. I tell you, it will be so different for us in the community of faith because we'll grow, we'll sharpen, we'll be strengthened by one another. It, it's hard to get offended if you're living like what verse 1 through 12 says. Really difficult to get offended. You know, I mean, you're not judging and looking first at your own thing. You don't have this judgmental attitude. You're, you're living in love and you're, you're preferring others. You're believing the best. You're not always just spouting off your own opinions, but you're really quick to hear what others have to say for you. Hard to get offended when you're like that. When you're treating others the way you want to be treated all the time. I mean, that one's just a burner. Treat others the way you want to be treated all the time. Because that fulfills the whole law and prophets. I mean, what if I just showed up today and just read verse 12 and said, amen, let's do an altar call. If you're not treating others as the way you want to be treated, come forward. I mean, we were all nailed under this stuff. And so what it is, is we just got to go, Lord, I want this. I want these values. I want to be pursuant of these things. I don't want to be passive. I want to be a participant. I want to go after the kingdom. I want to seek it, God, and I want it in my lives in my life. Amen? Yeah, amen.